Hello and welcome to the CFS Health Recovery Podcast. I am your host, Toby Morrison. And in today's episode, we sit down with a special, amazing lady by the name of Tara Putman. She is an inspiring single mother who has recovered from chronic fatigue syndrome. Her story is going to touch your soul. It is such an incredible journey. She went from basically being in a wheelchair to then being able to fly, go out dancing and now live a healthy life. She's someone who went from, you know, being at a healthy weight to losing a bunch of weight to losing a bunch of muscle, deconditioned to the point of really barely being able to play with her daughter to now putting on muscle strength and having the stamina to now travel the world, do a PhD and basically make her own impact and legacy in this world in such a profound way. I can't wait for you to hear her interview. It was really awe-inspiring. There was many hard periods. We talk about some of the really darkest days that she went through. We talk about some of the parenting tips that she did on her journey. And we talked about how she was able to gain weight in a healthy way that was able to recondition her body and allow her to live a healthy life now. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. My name is Toby Morrison, and on the other end of the screen is Tara Putnam from USA. Hello, Tara. Hi. Okay. In today's conversation, we're talking about an amazing chronic fatigue syndrome recovery story. Tara has been through it all. She's a mum. She's an amazing woman. And today's story is really about sharing the journey of the highs, the lows, and then the highs of going through this journey of recovery, what it took, what you had to give up, the process of going through motherhood and how to navigate all that and so much more. So thank you so much for coming on. I'm, like I said, I'm so excited to do this interview. I think it's just going to be so special and it's also going to help so many, not just mothers and single mothers, but also just everybody, young and old. I think this is going to be a really powerful interview. Thank you, Toby. I love the opportunity to be able to come tell my story. It matters to me to be able to, if I can help in any way, where I was two years ago was completely hopeless. There was nothing that could help. And where I am today is a completely different life. Let's go back there because it was a pretty rough journey for you at the start. What was going on two years ago for you? I started getting sick about the end of 2019. I had my baby girl and I was the healthiest I had ever been. Yoga here, there, doing great with an infant. And then I slowly started getting sick. I was losing weight. I was losing handfuls of hair. Mm. I had this weird lip infection that just wouldn't heal. And I was working really hard and then COVID hit. And within a couple of days of the shutdown in the US for COVID, I went down. I tested negative for COVID multiple times, but the symptoms that I had were like classic COVID infection, mm. crawling up the stairs, unable to get up off the floor because I was so tired. I was in so much physical pain, the brain fog, just unable to focus. And so that lasted about a month and then eventually was able to test positive for mono. EBV, Epstein-Barr virus, yeah. which now we know studies that sometimes COVID can actually cause the Epstein-Barr virus to get reactivated in your system. And so there's a correlation there, which, you know, at the time we didn't know. And my general practitioner was, oh, you'll be fine. You'll get over it. And I was yo-yoing. I was getting better. I was getting worse. I was getting better. I was getting worse. And that lasted for a year of getting better and worse and better and worse. And I was one of the people who spent over $30,000 going to doctor after doctor, trying to figure out what could possibly be going on. And it was pulmonologists, cardiologists, general practitioners, psychologists, psychiatrists, the whole gamut. And I found a couple of really bad doctors. Mm. <laughs> 
know that at one point, one of your podcasts talked about there are some pretty bad doctors out there. And I hadn't considered it. I was going anywhere for someone to tell me what's wrong and how am I going to heal? And when I was getting close to, gosh, so two years ago at this point, I finally went out on disability from teaching. I was teaching special education at a school and I just couldn't keep going. I would walk on the trail outside of my house and I'd make it about a mile down the road. And I'd actually have to call my husband at the time to come get me because mm-hmm. I couldn't get back to the house. And it was an emotional nosedive as well because my daughter was just turning one. She was just learning how to walk. And I was laying on the floor staring at her and I couldn't play with her and I couldn't be part of her existence. I had this amazing, beautiful stepdaughter that I adored and I didn't have time to connect with her. I felt like I was letting everybody in the world down. My husband at the time made it very clear he couldn't keep taking care of me. He wasn't getting his needs met and the guilt and the weight of that reality and I couldn't do anything to fix it. And then I had a couple of doctors actually prescribe me stimulants to help, which talk about the bust in the crash and the bust in the crash. And it it just, it it made it so much worse. And it wasn't one doctor, it was two. (laughs) I can understand why you would go there though. If you're feeling the pressure and the weight of the world, You've got kids at home, your daughter's turned one, she's about to start walking and there you are flat on your face on the floor. You would literally in that moment, you would try anything to get back. Anything. I would have traded anything. I would watch movies of people traveling and travel is my passion. Dance and travel are my passion and being mom, of course. And it was all the things I couldn't do. I couldn't dance. I couldn't travel. And I couldn't be the mom I wanted to be. What did that feel like emotionally? Did it feel like you were alone? Like you were the only person in the world going through this at the time? The only one that could possibly, you know, with the brain fog, I couldn't have phone conversations with friends and family anymore. I'd make it about a minute and then I couldn't keep going. So I had no friends left. Like anybody who was any bit of a friend was so valuable to me, but I couldn't be reciprocal and build that relationship. It was so painful to think that this was it. This is what life was like from now on. Did you think this was it? Yeah. I didn't think there was any possibility of recovery because I tried everything. And in my head, I had tried everything that a doctor could tell me to do. And I grew up, you know, very Western culture of doctors and psychologists can fix it. Yeah. So that's where I was at two years ago. I was in a wheelchair at the zoo with my two girls and my husband at the time. And that was as good as I had at the time. The story gets deeper and it's pretty profound. When was the moment that there was a glimmer of real hope? You know, you've gone through that two-year battle of it's not possible. Maybe this is it. Like you said, it's the death sentence that you never really wanted. When did this change? It was the moment I found your podcast that talked about baseline. Because there was an element of I could understand that I could do something that could possibly make a difference. Because at that point, I had been looking to anything and everything outside of myself to find out how to fix me. And what CFS Health honestly offered me more than anything is throw everything everyone has told you about yourself, everything out the window. The goal, the job here is me find out who I am. It is my job to know myself Mm. and no one could possibly know me better than me. There's no doctor you can talk to for 30 minutes every two months that can tell you who you are, what you need and where to go. That's not realistic or reality. And I had people in my world that were telling me such terrible, awful, horrible things about me. What would they say? In hindsight, it's easy to understand how people can 
be so judgmental when their life is fine and they've got energy and they can get dressed and they don't even think about whether they can leave the house today or not. What were some of the judgments that you received? I had a lot of hard ones that I was emotionally unstable and mentally ill and some really awful messages, physically incapable that I wasn't able to take care of myself or my children, my daughter. And those were told to me pretty regularly. And I bought them. I took them internally so deeply as I must be a really awful person and I must be really deficient as a human being and as a mother that I couldn't meet other people's needs, let alone my own. Did you feel like you needed to then try and fulfill everybody's needs? Was there that pressure after that? Where I found value in my life was that I was a really great teacher. I was wonderful for children. I connected well with parents. I was a great wife to the best of my ability, except for cooking, because I was terrible at cooking at the time. I loved being my stepdaughter's stepmom. I adored doing everything I could to be great in those roles. That's where I found all of my value of who I was as a person. And all of those things were taken away. Every single one of those pieces fell away through this process. What was that like at the time? Like, it's almost like you're just left in a dark room and there's like, who am I? Yeah. There were times where literally I put the covers over my head, just sobbing, sobbing into the pillow, trying not to let other people hear me sob. Sometimes sobbing so that someone would come and just hold me because I just wanted to be held. Mm. I just wanted someone to tell me it's going to be okay. Of course, other people didn't know if it was going to be okay either. So I didn't get that. Mm. Um, I had to find that in myself. And honestly, through the program, finding the community of people who could hold each other's hands and say, okay, we can do this. There is hope. There is something better. What was it like when you found the program? Were you skeptical? Or did you just get to the point, it sounds like you spent like 30 plus thousand dollars to this point, and then you watched some free trainings and the podcast and whatnot. Did it just make sense? And it was like, oh, this actually is like what I need to do or were you still like is this just another thing to try this was another thing to try for sure (laughs) this was like it it made sense but it was another like if anything can help you should see my supplement cabinet yeah at that point like the holistic health practitioners and the acupuncturists i think i spent seven hundred dollars on supplements the same time i signed up for the really common that people with chronic fatigue syndrome typically are overachievers they're perfectionists they're type a personalities who yeah they're not lazy people so i've never met a lazy person with chronic fatigue syndrome ever full stop and i've met thousands of people you know it's a tough one because it's on the outside everyone thinks you're lazy and then you almost believe that you're lazy because you're not always doing and again like you said before it's like your whole life just got pulled from underneath you and it's like, what do I do now? I'm worth nothing. No one values me. Do my kids still love me because I can't give them what I normally give them? Yeah. I was so bankrupt and void. And within the first couple of weeks of the program, I started seeing glimmers of, I see the logic in this. You had to go back to 50% of what you think you can do. But 50% of what I think I can do is barely leave the bedroom. (laughs) Mm. And I was like, yeah, 
that's where you're at. That's what it's going to look like for now. Yep, that's right. Exactly. And that's a great mindset to have because it is just initially. If you look at someone like you who was just pushing and crashing like a yo-yo all the time, you need stability. You don't need more and more. You just need stability. That's why consistency is so important initially to be able to do the same stuff every day without feeling any worse. When you finally got that glimmer of hope and it might've been, you know, you might've met people in the program who were further along than you and that inspired you. What were the things that made you start to go, okay, this is working. Was it a matter of just applying this work and feeling it in your body? Yes, it was that. It was starting to get to know who I was to the core. The first time I remember looking around and going, I don't see myself in my own life. There's nothing about anything around me that was actually reflecting back to me who I really am. And I had to really step back and go, I need to know who I am spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and physically. And started to do small things like I can stretch today. And I set a timer on my app to breathe and to remember to take deep breaths. And then I had to figure out all my triggers. My nervous system would get overloaded really quickly, especially with a lot of clutter around the house. And so I'd start picking up and I'd get into the spin. You guys talk all the time about, I just couldn't stop. And even though I knew I had hit tilt and past tilt, I just kept going. And then I would crash for a couple of days, not even just like a couple of hours. And of course the house would be messy by the time the two days were done anyway. (laughs) Same rules apply with that, like consistency over intensity. There's two things that really happened with you. And I'd love to speak to both of them. One was the physical. You were so deconditioned. You'd lost a lot of muscle mass and weight. And that was a huge part of your journey, really, over a long period of time to rebuild your strength and stamina, gain healthy weight again, which you did. You look amazing now. You can see your shoulders, like the strength in them. And I remember the first time you messaged me and told me, I've got biceps now again. And that was a really amazing journey. And then the other part was becoming a single mother and the deeper service below that is actually getting really true with yourself and getting in touch with what is in alignment for you. And so I'd love to speak to both. Yeah. Where where would you like to start? Where do you want to go? So I'd say about three weeks into the program, I watched one of Gemma's videos and it was 30 minutes into the video. And what she had said was, you know, you really have to figure out your environment. You cannot heal if you're not in a healthy environment. And you cannot heal if you're not surrounded by healthy people. And I was in a terrible environment at the time. Very unhealthy, very toxic. I was constantly on eggshells, wasn't sure when the next argument, fight, explosion was going to happen. And I had to really take a moment of, can I do this? Or do I stay and just do the best I can? Because I loved my life in the land of loving my family. I love the, what we were, but it was so toxic. I knew I couldn't survive physically. Like I wasn't actually gonna physically keep living if I didn't actually make changes that I had to make. And at first it was small changes. It was like, I have to fix my sleep cycle. My sleep was completely off. And so one of our family routines that was so valuable because I couldn't do much with my family anymore was we'd watch a program together and eat popcorn and cuddle up and you got to stop the media right before bed and stop eating food right before bed. So that yep. was both of them. So it was like, I have to let that go. And the program really held me accountable. I had to create rituals around my sleep ritual, the right mass, the right bath time, and my sleep, sleeping by myself, started really sleeping well, which was huge. But then it was really having to address, like, I can't get healthy and stay in a toxic marriage. I just Mm -hmm. couldn't. And it was a tragic, terrible divorce. It was really, it was brutal. It was so cruel. And so much betrayal and I'm so glad I had the program and the people because I ended up being a hundred percent alone every friend every community every favorite place in Austin everything was taken away and my physical system couldn't be around the toxicity at all so anything that was connected 
I had to walk away from and give complete space. Yeah. Shout out to Gemma Hanley, who's our resident mindset coach. For anyone wondering what Tara's referring to is we have a mindset aspect of the program to help you go through all these things and to stop things that aren't working and to increase things that are working. And it sounds like you started on the small changes first, which is just amazing because you can't make the big decisions till you make the little ones, really. It's too hard. It's way too scary. It's impossible. But it's almost like once you fix those things to support yourself, you were ready for a bigger decision. And the bigger decision was like, do I stay in this marriage that isn't serving me anymore to the core? Or do I leave and honor myself? And I vividly remember you posting in the group because we encourage people to reach out for help when you need it. And you did that. And I remember seeing the post, like I've watched one of Gemma's videos and oh my God, I don't know what to do. Has anyone got any advice? And I just remember hundreds of comments, like there was so much love and support for you. And I remember how hard that was because you weren't at a great place physically at that point. You hadn't gained the muscle strength yet. You weren't doing the restorative strengthening at that point properly. But it was almost like that had to change for you to allow yourself the space for healing to occur and for you to do all the right things. You took action pretty fast. I feel like in hindsight, when that came to you, you acted on it within, I think, like a few weeks. You didn't muck around. It was like almost like non-negotiable. It was a non-negotiable, but it also... The way things unfolded, my spirituality says it lined it up perfectly that it was like, you got the realization and then things happened that was like, oh, okay, this is the opportunity. And it was terrifying making that kind of life change and thinking that all of a sudden it's going to be just my daughter and I, and can I do it when I've hardly been able to leave the bed? Can I actually take care of her on my own? Is that actually possible? And having to trust that, yeah, I don't have a choice. I can do this. But the amazing part to me, as soon as my environment in my house became peaceful and I was able to close the door to toxicity, my physical body, my mental body, the clarity started quickly getting better. And the one thing that didn't though was the weight. I was 15 pounds less than I am now. And I looked in the mirror and I'm like, I look like a skeleton. I look like an old woman. I've lost tons of hair to the point where I had to chop my hair off. And I felt decrepit (laughs) as a human. The one thing about my ex-husband is he was a very good cook. So I had to learn how to cook. And (laughs) I had to, to realize like gluten and dairy, which I had too much of for so many years, I had to throw out the window. But I thought I adore cooking. I really love to cook when I do. And you taught me the strength training, like slowly by two pound weight. But I was a a competitive gymnast for a long time. And you know, I was like, and this is where we're at. And we've got this. So we can do this. Uh, Six weeks after my environment in the house got peaceful, I was able to take my first bike ride, pulling my daughter in the bike trolley. And yes, it was only about four blocks, but I did it. And Ananda, who was two and a half at the time, was in the back seat going, you can do it, mommy. You can do it. You've got this, mommy. And I was just sobbing. And I stopped and I asked a perfect stranger to take a picture of me and my daughter doing the bike so I could post it on Facebook. Look what I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did. It was one thing after another. I just want to state the fact that throughout this entire time and you making that decision to leave that toxic relationship for you, and they say that you can't heal in the same environment that you got sick in. And I want to say that after that, there was still many times throughout every week where there was breakdowns and huge letting out emotions, but still it wasn't just the mental, emotional side of things. You still did the physical stuff every day to allow yourself to get through those hard periods of grieving and letting go. And then I know lots of other things came up throughout that entire breakup and divorce, you know, so I just want for the people at home to know that it wasn't like, yeah, happy days. You know? Yeah, I mean, And it's cyclical, but it was like, I would physically feel better and emotionally tank. And then I would emotionally tank and physically feel better, but it did feel like it was spiraling up. 
which was great. And I had to put some pretty strategic things in place to, and I have a poster on my wall that I'm looking at that said, she remembered who she was and the game changed. As I got to know me and I got to know what mattered to me and what was truly important and I could throw everything else away for now and focus and I found some amazing friendships that I nurtured and supported and that were tremendously important to me. I did things like I used a babysitter for drop-off and pickup just to give my nervous system a break from having to be around anything that could potentially be toxic. I got mm -hmm. someone to help read messages just to help buffer things that just could really help me take care of me. So I could be a kick-ass mom at home because I had the energy for her and I had the energy for me instead of having it go out. When there was any engagement with toxicity, the physical body could still react. My body had been trained to have a pretty large emotional reaction so that it could try to keep it safe to help protect myself. And so I had to retrain my body to have resilience to have, okay, what grand scheme, where are we at with this? Okay, mm. let's feel this reaction. Let's go through all this pain and it will pass. One thing I tell my daughter when she'd see me crying, because it happens at times with any parent. Mm. And I say my favorite thing about being sad is it always goes away. And wow. she would even repeat that back to me at times. Oh, mommy, I see you're sad. It's going to go away. And I'd be like, you're right. You know, mm. and then we have our moment and then we'd go play. I think it's been a real asset to her. She's got an incredible emotional awareness. <laughs> you know, and now it's just so easy, her and I. She and I have been through a lot together and we're two peas in a pod. <laughs> the other piece, I had to find new doctors who know chronic fatigue syndrome. My supplement cabinet went to fish oil and vitamin B. <laughs> The hundreds of things I was taking could be thrown out, but all of that couldn't be taken care of until the basics and starting little by little equals a lot. I actually like your version of little by little equals a shit ton. <laughs> That's the Australian <laughs> version. Yeah, I got, exactly. I asked our community, like in our larger community outside of our program, if they had any questions for you for this interview especially being a single mother and going through what you went through. And I'd like to just ask you a couple because it's really in line with this. The first one is when you were ill, what did you do that still made you proud as a mom? What gifts did your illness give your child? Oh, that's a really good question. The journal that we had every morning and it talks about what something good that you did was so important to me. Yes, exactly. And I still have it. I made copies. We have our custom daily planner for our members. And so that's what Tara is referring to is the daily planner. Yeah. And that with that, my self-esteem and, and what I believed about myself was so low and it was so depleted. And I had been listening to such terrible messages about myself that I believed she and I played two minutes together. Wow. That is huge. What became very small that I had to value and realize that I was giving her slowly grew into huge things. I think my daughter, more than anything, knows a warrior as a mother. She will forever know that you can heal and grow as a human because she watched it in a stage that she doesn't have conscious knowledge of it, but she was there with me on this yep. journey. Yeah. She knows that grief is not going to kill you, that grief is hard. It's brutal when you feel betrayed to the depths of your soul. It's not a small thing and it's not an instantaneous fix. That's a healing process and it takes until it takes. There's still some hard days. That's humanity. Mm. It's not supposed to be over in a heartbeat. Even when it was a time where I could watch a show with my daughter and cuddle. That's what I could do. Even when I had to do cheats for food, where I had like organic little mini meals that I heated in the microwave for 50 seconds. But I know I gave her a nutritious organic meal and I knew how to make my cheats to help make sure that I could show up for her and for myself to mm, keep healthy. So it was almost like you put yourself equal to her Oh yeah. yeah. I had to put myself a 
little bit above so that I knew I could be there for her completely. Mm -hmm. If I would have put her equal or more, I couldn't have made it either. I had to make sure that I had my oxygen mask first as we were on an airplane yesterday. What an amazing teaching to have at that age. Look at how mom was so empowered and she chose herself over everything else. And she put herself first so she could support me. What are some other things that helped you do that? Was it expressing boundaries to your daughter and saying, hey, mommy's just going to go and do this for a little bit and then she'll be back? What are some things that you put in place? At the beginning of this, she was tiny. And so it was like, mommy needs some personal space. I need five minutes to just go take care of myself. And even if that meant she had a TV show for that time, And she became really good at it. And honestly, she asked for personal space all the time, which I find hilarious. (laughs) She's like, I need my space, mommy. And I'm like, I got you, girl. I totally understand. Uh, And still have her moments of like, I just need to cry, mommy. And I'm like, I got you. Do you want me to hold you or do you need your space? And there were times where I'd be like, can mommy have a hug? And she'd be like, yep. Or she'd say no. And yeah, when there were tender times where I cried in front of her, man, two, two three or four year olds can be really ruthless. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're like telling you things that you wish they wouldn't tell you. And she realized she doesn't have to take care of me. That's not her job. And I was very clear with that. Mommy's got her own feelings and emotions. She's the boss of her and takes care of her. I'm the boss of me. And we live and take care of each other in our own way. But that she's not responsible for me. And she doesn't have to fix me. Mm. That we get together on this journey. How did you manage recovery while looking after children? I guess you've answered it in those ways. The physical side of things, you set up resources to support you. I know as a single mom, asking for help was hard initially but you did it in the uh, end. Yeah, because, uh, you know, too, with being a single mom who lost all of her friends and all of her support system completely, I had to find new babysitters and using people from her school was really helpful. And then meeting a lot of my friends because she made friends at school and then they uh, became my really close friends. I, it was a beautiful experience for me to meet new types of people It was really easy for me to feed her, love on her, take care of her, but I had to set timers to remind myself to eat every couple of hours, anything I could think of that made life easier. So if I had the lunchbox packed in the evening in the fridge, it's such an easy, seamless way to get out the door in the morning. I still do sensory breaks which was a really important piece for me where I have my weighted blanket, I have my eye mask and I have the timer. And instead of sitting up for meditation, which I still do that too, it's a laying down and just deep breathing. She sits right next to me while I do it. And she knows that mommy's taking her sensory break or she'll sit and meditate with me. She and I will do yoga together. There's a great question here. And I can't wait to hear the answer. What did you have to go through to become well? Hell. (laughs) I had to change everything. I lost a child that I loved and adored. I lost a husband. I lost all of my community. I lost my faith that everybody was good and wanted to help each other and had to realize that some people actually don't have the best intentions. And I had to learn that I had to do hard work that I didn't want to do. Mm. I didn't want to lose my family. I didn't want to go out on disability. I didn't want to postpone going back to school for a year to take care of myself. I had to do some really hard things that intuitively, instinctively in my heart, I knew I had to do. Mm. And until I got into the program where I knew I had a support system and I had someone holding me accountable. And honestly, until I got so sick, I thought I was dying. And it wasn't until I got that bad that I could finally start making the changes I had to make. Yeah, I feel like you really chose every day. You were very committed. And I think being a single mom and having a child, especially at that age, with no support, you don't have a choice. You do because you have to choose it, but it almost feels like there's only one option. The option is to choose me and choose 
everything that's in line with my soul, with my physical capacity. How did you navigate the mum guilt at the start? And also you were at such a low physical capacity and I want to move into that next. You were at such a low physical capacity on your own. How did you deal with those scary days, the days where you're like, holy shit, I can only play with my daughter for two minutes. How did you deal with those really hard days? And then obviously, as you started to get better, it got easier, but at the start. When she started walking and running and I couldn't follow after her, a lot of those times I would be just crying, laying there, wishing I could be a part of her life and feeling like I was letting her down. I was letting my ex-husband down. I was letting my stepdaughter down, myself down. Like it was so painful emotionally, just all the time. And Toby, the gift out of the illness is that every single moment I get with her now is so valuable. And I know she feels that to her core. I mean, for her and I to be able to dance together, for me to chase her on the playground, it is overwhelming with joy because there was a time where I couldn't do anything for her other than lay on the floor and watch her. So finding the value in everything around me. I'm having flashbacks of all the little wins that used to post throughout your journey with us over those year and a half, two years, whatever it was. And the thing was, it wasn't like you waited until 10 months or 20 months in and you're like, I've made to the peak of Mount Everest. It was literally like, oh my God, I just picked my daughter up from school for the first time. That was huge. Or I just dealt with a really toxic situation way better than I have in the past. Or I just went on my first bike ride with my daughter for four minutes or whatever it was to start with. Or I've just gained one kilo of muscle, all these things. And I remember vividly, it was one year in and I think it was San Francisco. Correct me if I'm wrong. I've got a pretty good memory usually, but it was your first flight. I think it was a holiday and it was one year in and you didn't need the wheelchair and it was just such a huge pivotal empowering moment for you as someone who was so reliant on everybody and to then have the self-resiliency within yourself and you went dancing from memory. I went dancing yep I went to San Francisco I visited my sister met her there and had a great weekend yeah and I even remember like walking to the airport almost feeling like an out-of-body experience I don't even remember doing anything alone or my own and yeah Toby in this year alone I've done San Francisco Cancun twice El Salvador Brazil I took my daughter mommy and me to Cancun we went on a Disney cruise just mommy and me like things you could not there's no way a year and a half ago I would have thought in any way I could have ever done any of that in my life at all yeah the travel piece the dance piece and there's still the awareness that I still have to be mindful. I've still had moments of crashing. A couple months ago, I had a pretty hard three or four days that was around a really toxic situation that didn't have to do with me, but yet peripherally had to do with me. And my physical body just was like, we can't. We just, that is a no. But what's great now is even though you initially get that, oh God, I'm sick again. You go, no, baseline. Mm. No, you don't panic anymore. That's not where we're at in life anymore. It's just, yeah, yeah. you got you to have a couple days of down days and breathing and baby steps and that's totally okay. The way I look at it in that instance is it's just your brain's protecting you from shitty experiences and also you're healthy now. So it's just normal tiredness that any human feels, the draining of draining people. That's just a normal body response. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it because I didn't have a filter for that. I didn't grow up around extremely toxic people. There was definitely plenty of its own toxicity, but there wasn't explosive crazy drama spin like that wasn't part of my existence and when that became like normal the body very clearly kept the score like that toxic angry 
really lashing out at people, putting people down, making them feel small and bad. Like my body is incredibly reactive to that now and just says, no, it, it can't be around it and it won't. Yeah. And it won't be in the same space. And that's a way to protect my daughter and me. Exactly. Just, it's actually really good. That's <laughs> a healthy no, boundary. The boundaries. And I didn't know what boundaries were. And then to hold those steady and just be like, no, we're just going to make life easy. We're just going to follow through with what we have established. And it makes life so much easier and even mm. keel if you just live in that realm. And now I have this strength easily to just set those boundaries and hold them. I couldn't even return a pair of my hearing aids because I was scared to return them two or three years ago. And now I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe that was something that would scare me. That's so minor. It's so small. Yeah, yeah. You know, the greatest thing is that you went from victim to victor. You really turned it around fast and you just made decisions little by little decision, decision, make a decision, do it now, make a decision, do it now. And those tiny little steps helped a lot. Love to talk about the physical. At your lowest weight, what were you? I was 105 pounds. Okay, so that's like roughly 50 kilos, maybe probably 48 potentially. You could see every rib that I had. I looked so old. Like looking in the mirror was scary. How I felt about who I was as a person was fed by feeling like I was a beautiful woman and not having that even was like, that was a hard journey to be like, oh, I, I don't look good. I don't look healthy. You look like 15 years younger than what you did when you started the program now. Crazy different. Yeah. So. I hear that from recovery with CFS a, a lot, like the reverse aging happening. I'm like, I, I feel like I do look a lot younger. Yeah, you do. Yeah. yeah. You'd lost a lot of muscle. You'd lost a lot of weight. I think you started in the restore stage. So you were definitely doing like restorative breathing, calming your nervous yeah. system down was a huge piece for many months. Yeah, breathing, the Tai Chi, the stretching, the restorative yep. yoga. Like I couldn't do anything beyond very gentle movement. Mm. Wall push-ups, not real push-ups. Yeah, know? exactly. Yeah, so you started really light and the idea was let's recondition your body appropriately within yeah. your baseline and also factor in all the chaos that was going on at the time, making hard decisions and going through yeah. emotions. What was the key thing for you where you built up your strength and stamina? Because I vividly remember you sent me a photo and you were doing your flex and you yeah. said, look, I've got my biceps back and my muscles yeah. are coming back. So what did that take? So it, it was baby step. And there were days where I'd push too hard and have to step back a couple of days. And yeah. then I would try again and come back a couple of days. And then there was one specific day I was at the trampoline place with my daughter and I busted out three back handsprings and a back layout, which I took a video of and posted on Facebook and was like, I'm 43 years old and I just busted that out. And that's when I could start doing climbing gym, which I love to climb. I could dance for a whole hour and actually like start pushing myself. You have to become completely at harmony with who you are physically, emotionally, spiritually, and mentally, all four components, and listen. And if you hear a whisper in the middle of a workout, like today, this is just a little bit too much of a push, cool, tone it down. And if you do over push, have the compassion to take care of myself the next day. And I call it compassion because it's self-compassionate to say, okay, what do you need today to feel healthy and whole and sane and safe? Yes, exactly. It was very structured. I remember you had a specific yeah. movement plan we built up over time. It was a longer term plan, but I think you started with one set of like maybe three exercises of yeah. getting your muscle groups working again, your front of your body, your back, posterior, anterior, yeah. and then your legs. And it I was think... one pound weights to start with. Oh, and then yeah, after yeah. two weeks, there was two pound weights and it was slow. For me, it felt so slow. <laughs> Now, obviously, it was exactly what my body needed, and thank God I went slow. Toby, you and I crafted the specific plan, just you and I, like mm. this many weights and this app on my phone to remind me to eat. My body needs meat. I had to figure that out. Yeah. I wasn't getting enough of that. So, 
high protein, good carbohydrates, exactly. And then the consistency of it. And what people don't understand, and this is what is so frustrating to see, is that, yeah, they think that, oh, it's just going to be two weeks or like, I need to go hard. It's all or nothing. You know what I mean? Like, it's all or nothing. And what people don't understand that really works is 12 month plans properly working towards where you want to go. And it's micro changes. And the thing that most people don't understand is that when you're going through CFS or long COVID or anything like this, your body sensitivity to adaptation is very low. Initially, you can try and overload it, but the system won't hold the adaptation. It can't, the system just can't process the adaptation. So that's why you were able to gain the weight in a healthy way and consistently build. And I was never surprised. I was always really glad, but I was never surprised because I was like, yeah, well, of course you're going to gain healthy weight because you've been doing it eight weeks straight and then another 12 weeks and another 12 weeks. And then we kept building up and it just got better and better as time went on and your body got more resilient through these micro changes, not macro to the point yeah. where you were able to then do macro stuff like fly to Mexico. I think yeah. it was your first trip with your daughter was at Mexico last year and go dancing for an hour and rock climbing and volleyball. I saw you've been playing that recently. Yeah, you can do that now because you did all the micro mini adaptations, your body built the resiliency, the capacity to be able to do more. And people at home who are watching, most of them don't have a plan. They really don't. They think they do. They're like, yeah, I eat healthy and I do a bit of yoga here and there. It's not a plan. It's not really a pathway to where you're really going. And I think that was truly one of the reasons why you were able to get to where you're at to today is the ruthless decision-making that you made every single day for you first. And then the second piece is just that consistency every single day, regardless if you felt like it or not. Like, one of those things I did not want to do. Exactly. A lot of the days I did not want to get up and get out of bed. Face the world. There were some really sad days where I had to push through and finding out I'm not a fragile person. Like I'm actually quite strong and quite resilient, yeah. and, but I had to prove it to myself and I had to do that. Yeah. I just remember there's so many times that you went through so many hardships. There were so many knocks in the road where you'd almost oh, feel free again. And then more over. shit from the past would come up and it's like, oh, not more problems yeah. to deal with, but you just kept showing up. And this is why we say, please don't rely on motivation because half the yeah. time you are not going to feel motivated. You want to give up every second day. And yeah. what are you doing in the days that you feel like you want to give up? Are you still showing up regardless? And I feel like you did that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Had to push through. What's life like now on the other side of all this? Life's amazing right now. My daughter's four now. She just turned four and Happy she and birthday. I are heading out to Mexico for our mommy-daughter trip here in a few weeks, just <laughs> the two of us. And I'm getting my PhD. It's a PhD in psychology focusing on education. And I figured out my dissertation, which is a cultural study and learning about how cultures come together to coexist and cohabitate with love and harmony mm. and how to utilize the school system to offer life in harmony as cultures coming together. I adore reading, writing, studying, where two years ago, I couldn't even read a couple pages without being exhausted. I'm a volunteer for a child advocacy for the court system. So for kiddos that don't have anybody who have severe problems in the house, I do all the research and I stand in front of the judge and give recommendations on what I think could be best to help serve them and to figuring out my values and what matters to me. Service work is my number one. How can I be of service to others and to humanity and mm being a mom right there parallel with it and I love it I love spending time with my daughter we have a lot of great quality time yeah life is full there was a time where things weren't so busy and I was resting and recovering and now it's like okay when do I have an open window to go walk with my girlfriend and go meet with my other friend I have great friendships now I still miss some places in Austin that I used to love to go to, but just to keep it so there's nothing 
challenging or toxic. I honor that within myself to be mm-hmm. in healthy places. It'd be mm-hmm. nice if we could split and share. That would be really great, but that's not mm-hmm. how this unfolded. And then there's that acceptance piece of it's much easier to accept that this is not ever going to be easy and gentle. That's just not life. That's not humanity. And especially not this life and journey. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. I've got the tools. I've got the ways to set boundaries and honor that. I've got the ways to be resilient when things are hard and the support systems I need. And I get to travel the world when I can. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, man. So amazing. What would you say to people who have stumbled across the Safest Health channel or program and they're like, umming and ahhing, should I do it? Should I not do it? Or people who are actually already in the program who are kind of a little bit stuck right now. What would you say to them? Why not believe that there is a possibility to get better? Hmm. There wasn't any hope for me at all at the time where I stumbled upon your video, Toby. And you helped me, the program helped me find who I am Mm. and my soul and how to get better and heal. Mm. Um, That's a huge piece. Also find the people in the program you connect with soul wise, you know, Felicity was one of my soul sisters. Find those people who have similar life experiences happening and connect, use them, use the community. Um, be gentle with yourself, have self-compassion. It's okay to be messy. That's all right. There's nothing wrong with being emotional and messy. You're not human if you're not. Allow yourself to grow, heal. Yeah. You did the program imperfectly, you know, like you were never self-judging. Oh my God, like I should have this perfect. It was like, no, here are all the tools. I'm going to do it. Some days I'm not going to feel as good. I'll still do it. And you just went on with it. There wasn't any questioning or anything like that. And I think that's why you've just been so successful and you've just gone from strength to strength. And lastly, Tara, just any kind of final words of wisdom to the people out in the world who are suffering from this, because sadly, it's just getting more and more prevalent, especially after COVID and, you know, kind of the world that everyone's living in right now. There were some comments made about this is just psychosomatic and my judgment of that and that I was starting to get sick before getting COVID or whatever it was that caused me to go even more sick. There's nothing wrong with psychosomatic. That's part of the human body. That's a real thing. Your mind, body, spirit, emotions all are connected. Mm. That's how this works. There's no judgment on that. There shouldn't be any making anybody feel small or bad Mm. about losing it as a human and needing to heal again Mm. in any way or form. Go ahead and be messy and find a way to heal. I feel like this whole journey for you is all about alignment and helping you become more authentic to you. Would you agree with that? I found out who I was for so long by what people reflected back to me. And I've realized that none of that was ever actually me. None of it. Who I am is now who I find within me. And now the world actually reflects that back to me in a lot of ways, which is neat. My whole spirituality has changed my connection with nature and spirit and God to my relationship with my mental world and my emotional world, my physical world. It's been fun to get to know me and put all those other stories and everybody else's opinions and thoughts away. And fun to use that in my PhD program of here's how I can make change. Here's what I can offer. I can't wait for you to continue the work that you're doing because it's so important And you and I have spoken about this recently when you reached out and you told me what you're up to these days and the system needs to change, especially the school system. And we as a society need the bridge together and find a way that we can all live and work harmoniously together with respect and honor. And so, yeah, I just want to thank you so much for the work that you're doing and how you're showing up in the world. It's making such a huge difference and just makes me so happy because this is what this is all about. You know, we say at Seavis Health, it's about creating ripple effects far greater than we'll ever know in the world. And 
by you doing everything that you've done, all the shitty things that you've had to go through, all the hard decisions that you've had to make, you know, that is obviously having an immediate effect on your daughter and your family, but also the world now. And I just think that's really what it's about. And yeah, well done and keep doing the great work. I can't wait to see where it goes. Shout out to my family, my mother, my sister, my father, rock stars from their feeling so scared, their judgment, their pain, their struggle, watching my journey. They a hundred percent learned about what this is, stood by me, held my hand, showed up and celebrated every single win with me in the most unique, remarkable way and couldn't have done it without them and without the program. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, no words. Yeah. Thank you, Toby. My pleasure. Yeah. You're amazing. Making me cry. That too. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Thank you so much. And on behalf of everyone who's watched this, yeah, thank you for giving us this time and sharing your story. It's a really special one. And yeah, just blessings and continue to go and spread your wings. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks, Ace Tara. Appreciate you. Speak to you soon. Bye. (laughs) Hey, I hope this video was really helpful for you. If you haven't already, please hit the like button and feel free to leave a comment. What was your takeaway, your insight from today's video? It's really helpful to actually write your learnings down. We seem to embed it better and it seems to help us move forwards with life. Here are three ways we can help you right now whenever you're ready. The first way is make sure you add yourself into our free information recovery group on Facebook. We'll leave a link in the description below. It's a really supportive, encouraging place. There's no negative venting. You can ask questions to other people. There's something like seven, 8,000 people in there right now. And I'm sure by the time you're watching this video, there's even more. So go over there right now. We share success stories. We share our latest free trainings that come to the public. And we always share upcoming information about upgrades inside our program. And also when we offer free webinars or free information nights that can further help you with your own recovery. The second way we can help you, which is one of my favorite, is through all our free trainings. We're going to leave a link in the description with our favorite free trainings that we know can help you start your recovery, whether that's through our baseline training, which will help you stop pushing and crashing, our three stages of recovery to figure out exactly where you're at and know what to do next, or my favorite, which is our guest panel workshop, which was actually exclusive for our members. It was so damn good that I actually asked them, can we share this to the public? They all said yes, all five of them. So thank you past members. They share their five recovery secrets and it's really powerful. There's tears, there's aha moments, there's real key insight and inspiration. And so whether you're a one out of 10 and you're really struggling right now, or whether you're further along in your recovery journey and you're integrating back into life, we have you covered. The third way we can help you is through our actual paid online recovery program, the mentorship recovery program. And if you are interested in getting proper help, a holistic comprehensive plan, professional coaching from the best coaches in the world, whether that's with mindset, movement, nutrition, restorative movement, reconditioning, integrating back into life, integrative medicine, baseline, structure, routine, accountability, all things health and life. Feel free to apply for the program today. All you need to do is click on the form, cfshealth.com slash form, fill out the short two to three minute form application and the team will be in touch with all the details that you need to know about the program via email. So make sure you check your spam folder for all the free trainings. If you've sent through an application, please be patient. My team are real people, okay? They're not robots. So if we don't get back to you within seconds or hours, it's okay. (laughs) We will get back to you. If you don't hear from the team within two to three days, that means that it's basically gone to spam or junk and it's gone missing. So please send a follow-up email to the team at info at cfshealth.com. If you have any questions, go check it out. But I would highly recommend 
adding yourself into the free group right now, go click on that link in the description, go download all the free trainings. Honestly, the whole reason why this whole thing started is because when I went through this myself, it was so painful and so excruciating that I didn't want anyone else to have to go through it. And some of these free trainings are so damn valuable. Back then I would have paid thousands of dollars for. We've had so many comments and emails and posts saying, oh my God, the baseline training was a game changer for me. Toby, I've been doing this now for three months and I'm feeling so much better. My symptoms are decreasing. I've got more stamina. I've got more energy. I'm able to do more things. So, you know, whether you're learning from us and consuming our content through our free format, I'm so stoked. Whether that's in our paid program, I don't really care. Either way, all I want to make sure is that you are moving forwards. You are starting to really implement this work. And that's really what it's all about. Once we implement, we make change and we start to move forwards. Sending you a ton of love. Of course, feel free to consume as much of the YouTube videos as you like. There's so many really, really great ones, new and old. Sending you a ton of love and uh, speak to you very, very soon. All the best for now.